If you have your Bible, turn to Matthew, the fifth chapter. We're going to continue in our series, perfect timing, Valentine's Day, as we look at a sermon entitled Overcoming Heart Disease. Overcoming Heart Disease. We're just at the perfect place as Dr. Reed has walked us through this series entitled um, <clears throat> How We Can Be More Like Jesus, How We Can Live According to what Jesus told us to live according to, a study of the Sermon on the Mount. And as we have been looking at the Beatitudes, it has brought us to this place and this time where we're looking at this verse right here that says, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Now, I'm not a doctor, and I didn't even stay at a Holiday Inn last night, but I can tell you from looking from looking at things and studying things that heart disease is the number one killer in the United States among men and women. Heart disease is the number one killer. But I can tell you that not only do we have an issue in the United States with heart disease as it affects us physically, but all of us have spiritual heart disease. We've all been struck with a nature of sin. That's what it's told to us in Romans. And we have to be able to overcome that spiritual heart disease that has been implanted in our lives. But there is no way that you can do that on your own. It's impossible for you to overcome heart disease without the saving, merciful grace of Jesus Christ and what He did for you, and what He did for me on the cross of Calvary. Now let me share with you a few things before I, I get into the meat of the message. First of all, is this, when you look at the Scripture, and when you see it where it says, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God, you understand that that word heart refers not to an organ in your body. So much like we have begun to understand about you asking Jesus Christ into your heart. You're not asking Jesus Christ to physically come live in your heart. But the heart, in scriptural terms, is the center of the personality. The essence of the person. So when you ask Jesus Christ to come into your heart, you're asking Jesus Christ to become a essence, an essence of your personhood. In other words, you're asking Him to invade your life to where He becomes the central focus of your life. Well, when the Scripture says, blessed are the pure in heart, it's not referring to just that organ in your chest. It's referring to the essence of your life, the very who you are. So when the Scripture says, blessed are the pure in heart, it's saying, blessed is your life. Blessed is your very life if it is pure. So every ounce, every fiber of your being is called to be pure. And when that pureness happens in your life, then you will have the ability to see God. I can't wait to share that part with you here at the very end about the ability to see God because I think that's the most, probably the most exciting thing that I will share with you this morning is that you have the real opportunity in your life to see God. If you will allow Him to purify your life, your life 
pure in heart means that you become totally devoted to Christ. It means that you're not what the Scripture calls a double-minded man. You're not looking at different things to be number one in your life. You're not looking at your job to be part of making you who you are. You're not looking at school to be part of making you who you are. You're not looking toward your spouse to make you part of who you are. You're not looking toward your children to make sure that you are part of who they are so that you can be closer to them or closer to what God has called you to be. Because the only person that you can look to to make you pure in heart is Jesus Christ. And when you ask Jesus Christ to invade your life, to forgive you of your sins, then you can begin a walk with Him that will allow you to become pure in heart. Is it an easy walk? No. Is it a difficult walk? Yes. Is it a possible walk? Yes. It is possible with His grace and His mercy to lead a pure life. But only if you allow Him to invade your life. Only if you allow Him to control your life. Only if you make Him the very essence of your life. Only if He is the supreme part of your life. If He is the one you turn to for everything in your life, then your life will be pure. And then you will see Jesus Christ. Over the past few years, you know that our church has had the privilege of taking mission trips to Ecuador. Most of those have been medical mission trips. In fact, uh, except for the very first one, they've all been medical mission trips where we have had the opportunity uh, to uh, go to a place called Ambato and from Ambato leave to there and go up into the mountains of Ecuador and work with a group of people called the Quichua Indian tribe. Uh, they're, they're the native Indian group of Ecuador. And we've had the privilege of working there and, and taking some of our doctors and some of our nurses and allowing them to physically check on the needs of those people and to help them as best we can with physical needs so that we can then in turn address their spiritual needs and talk to them about the wonderful saving grace of Jesus Christ. Just this past year, we started kind of a, a new program that uh, Brad and Jimmy Carpenter had, had trained themselves in as far as uh, helping the Kishawa Indians with another very important need in their life, and that's pure water. Uh, many of the Indian groups have struggled with pure water. In the picture that you see on the screen, you see Brad and a couple of Kishawa Indians who are looking at a water purifier. Now, it may not look like much to you, but that's exactly what it is. It's two five-gallon buckets uh, that are built on top of each other. And Brad and Jimmy have gone through training to be able to build these water purifiers. You take the top plastic five-gallon bucket, take the lid off, take the second five-gallon bucket with the lid on, and they drill a hole in it. And at the bottom of the, the five-gallon bucket, they drill a hole in it to the top five-gallon bucket, and they put a very simple water purification system in there. That's the picture of it right there. And you can see it. It's, it's just a filter. And you can see the water that's been poured into that filter and how dirty it can be and how filthy it can be. What happens is over time, 
that, that water filter, that water absorbs into that water filter, goes through a purification process, and then drops into that bottom bucket. It's not a fast process. It takes time to be able to make that water pure. But in about a 12 to 24 hour period, all the water that's in that five gallon bucket that's sitting on top will drain into the bottom five gallon bucket. And in that bottom five gallon bucket, they attach a spigot so they can get pure water out of that. Well, Brad and Jimmy have built several of those. In fact, on the last trip that we went there, I think they built uh, somewhere in the neighborhood of 15 to 20 of those water purification systems. And we put them in schools and in churches there in Ecuador so that the people that were coming can drink pure water. Because the pure water that they're not being able to get in Ecuador in these villages is causing them many, many problems. It's causing all kinds of disease in, uh, in the villages. And because of that, we understand the importance of pure water. And you understand the importance of pure water. When we go down there, all we drink is bottled water because we know that if we drink any other kind of water or water that they're drinking, that it will make us sick. Well, the question becomes for you and for me spiritually, not only for the Kishawa Indians, but how can you and I have a pure heart? How can we put some sort of filter into our lives? How can we begin to make our hearts pure so that Jesus Christ can invade us, can purify us, and then help us to see Jesus? Well, the first thing is this. We must remove all the impurities in our life. Just like that filter that you saw a few minutes ago removes the impurities of the water and makes pure water we must also become pure within our lives. The word pure there, blessed are the pure in heart, that word pure there is actually what we would understand to be catharsis. It's, it's the Greek word catharsis, which means you are absolutely supposed to purge your life. Now, if I use the word purge with you now, you, you understand what that means, especially with all the trouble that we've been having lately uh, with, with women a lot, sometimes men, but mainly women who have eating disorders. And you've heard the word purge before. You've heard what women do, young women especially, when they purge their system. They actually eat food, but then they will purge themselves of that food and, and try to make themselves where they're not gaining weight. Well, that's the word that's here when it says, blessed are the pure in heart. It's actually a purging that must take place in your life. Turn to Matthew 15. You're right there in Matthew Turn just a few pages over to Matthew 15. What you will see here is Jesus, when he is trying to explain what it means to us to be uh, a pure in heart. And in Matthew verse 18, he says, But the things that come out of the mouth come from the heart, and these are what make a man unclean. For out of the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false testimony, slander. These are what make a man unclean. But eating with unwashed hands does not make him unclean. What is Jesus trying to teach us here? Well, several things. First of all, he's saying what comes out of our mouth 
comes from the heart. Again, not the organ in your body, but again, the very essence of who you are brings forth words out of your mouth, and those are the things that make you unclean. What Jesus is doing here is he's addressing the Pharisees. And what he's addressing to the Pharisees, who were the religious leaders of that day, is he's addressing to them, your rules and regulations are not what make people unclean. Going to church does not make you a clean person. Reading the Bible does not make you a clean person. Uh, Walking on a certain side of the road does not make you a clean person. Not associating with certain people does not make you a clean person. Singing only certain hymns and not other hymns does not make you a clean person. What he's saying here to us and to the Pharisees of that day is there are no rules or regulations that will make you a clean person, that will remove the impurities from your heart that will take away sexual immorality, that will take away theft, that will take away false testimony, that will take away slander. What happens and how those are removed from your life is when Jesus Christ becomes preeminent in your life. When you begin to worship Him, when you begin to love Him, when you begin to honor Him, then you want to be in church. Then you want to sing hymns to Him then you want to read the Scripture. Then you want to associate with all different kinds of people. Then you want to share His love. Because when He is preeminent, when He increases, you will decrease. When He is important, you become less important. And when He is important, the impurities are removed from your life. You see, it's not about regulations. It's not about checking a box. It's not about praying a proper prayer. It's about loving Jesus Christ and letting Him be the important person in your life. Turn over to Psalm, the 24th chapter with me. In Psalm, the 24th chapter, verse 3 and 4, it says this, Psalm 24, 3 and 4, Who may ascend the hill of the Lord? Who may stand in his holy place? He who has clean hands and a pure heart, who does not lift up his soul to an idol, or does not swear by what is false. You see, when when you understand who you worship, it makes a difference. Again, I refer back to you what I shared with you just a few moments ago. If you worship your job, you are not pure in heart. If you worship the fact that you make lots of money, you are not pure in heart. If you worship this building, you are not pure in heart. If you worship your spouse, you are not pure in heart. If you worship your children, you are not pure in heart. If you worship any other God except the one, the true, the only living God, Yahweh, then you are not pure in heart. Because Jesus Christ has called us to worship Him and Him alone. And we can only lift up clean hands with a pure heart to the one, the only living God. And the only way that we can do that is to remove the impurities in our life. But that's not enough. Not only must you remove the impurities in your life, but you must be willing to recondition your interior. You must be willing to recondition your interior. Now listen, 
When, when I was in college going to Houston Baptist, it was a small school, and it still is a small school, but back then it was pretty small, uh, a lot smaller than it is now. My understanding that Houston Baptist has about 3,000 students that attend there now. But when I was attending Houston Baptist, we were somewhere in the 13 to 1,400 uh, neighborhood of amount of students that attended. That impacted how we played intramural sports uh, then. And the way that we played intramural sports at Houston Baptist back when I was going to college was every fraternity was given a team, and then there was one independent team that was not a fraternity. And so if you were not in a fraternity and you wanted to be on, uh, or you wanted to play intramural sports, the only way that you could do that was to be on the independent team. Uh, now, I'm sure that many of you were in a fraternity. That was not what I wanted to be. I, I didn't want anything to do with a fraternity. It just didn't seem to be my cup of tea. And so I determined as much as I enjoyed sports and as much as I loved sports that I was going to play intramurals, but I was going to play for the independent team. And so I signed up and began to play with the independent team. It was a bunch of guys that I became very good friends with. In fact, I, I became very good friends with uh, many of the guys that were on the fraternity teams too because I just enjoyed playing sports. In fact, that's how I met Lloyd who is the missionary in Jamaica that we have been to see and work with for many, many years now. He, uh, he was in a fraternity, and we became friends playing sports, and then we became roommates. And so that's how uh, God has connected us to Jamaica over all these years, was uh, me playing sports uh, at Houston Baptist and, and meeting Lloyd, who played uh, for Kappa Alpha. Now, Kappa Alpha... Um, had a, a wonderful team uh, that played sports, uh, basketball, uh, softball, uh, football. And they dressed immaculately for every game we played. I'm telling you, when we played Kappa Alpha, they had all the fancy shorts for softball and all the fancy uniforms and the fancy gloves and the fancy hats, and it said... K-A on the hat, and it said Kappa Alpha on the shirt, and they were yellow and, and red, and, and, and they looked immaculate when they came out to play. And they did the same for basketball. I had these cool shorts that I always wanted to have, and cool tennis shoes, and the uniforms matched, and they had the right numbers and everything. And same for football. Everything just looked wonderful. And the team I played for just was a bunch of ragtag guys that would go grab some t-shirts and iron numbers on the back of them. You know, one, two, and I always wanted to be zero. And so I would go grab a big zero and I would iron zero on the back of my number. And we would go out and play those guys. And we played them in softball and football and basketball, just about every sport that you can think of. We always played all these fraternities. But Kappa Alpha dressed to the T and they always looked amazing when they came out on the field. Now, I want you to understand something. I loved Lloyd, and I enjoyed his company, but when we got out on the field, it was all about who was going to win the game. And I want you to know that four years that I went to Houston Baptist and the four years that we played Kappa Alpha in every sport, we beat their brains out in every <laughs> game. I'm, I'm being honest with you. Uh, I'm standing in the pulpit, and I'm telling you the truth. We beat their brains out every game, every year, every sport. They never beat us once, ever. I'm pretty proud of that. 
And the reason I'm telling you that is because as well as they dressed, none of them could play sports. <laughs> they put on all the right uniforms and had all the right look. And when they came out, I remember the first time we were ever going to play a game and they came out, I was thinking to myself, we're going to get our brains beat in because they looked so good. But then we started playing the game and I realized that all the uniforms didn't make a difference in the world because they had no ability at all. And it was pretty sad some of the times we, we would do things. I mean, I would bat left-handed just to make it fair. We, we just did some things that just, you know, you just felt sorry for them because they looked so good, but they couldn't play at all. Well, let me explain something to you about what Scripture is very honest about telling us. Scripture is very honest about telling us that religious people are always concerned with their exterior, but that Jesus is always concerned with your interior. Look, there's a lot of times when we're way concerned about how we dress, about what pew we're sitting in, and about making sure that everybody's seen us here to worship. When the truth is, Jesus says, you can come worship me any way you want to worship me. If you're wearing jeans this morning, it's okay. If you didn't get the chance to get all gussied up, it's okay. If you hadn't been here in a few weeks because of circumstances, it's okay. Jesus is concerned about your interior. He's not concerned about your exterior. 1 Samuel 16, 7 is a scripture that most of you would be familiar with. It's where the Lord is talking to Samuel as Samuel's looking for somebody to go into battle against Goliath. And, and Samuel's trying to decide about all these men who are all big and brawny and tall. Who should I choose among them? And God talks to Samuel and he says, I'm not looking at anybody's exterior, but I'm looking at their interior. In fact, God says to Samuel, that men look on the outside. They look at the height. They look at the weight. But I'm looking at a heart. And I'm trying to find somebody who has the heart to go into battle against Goliath. And that's when Samuel was brought David. And David wasn't much of a man as far as man terms go back in the day. But when God saw his heart and allowed Samuel to see his heart, Samuel said, that's the man that I want to go into battle. In Matthew 23, 26, the Pharisees, uh, Jesus is again talking to the Pharisees and he's talking to them about washing a cup. I, I thought about this yesterday as, uh, as we were um, babysitting uh, Laura and I did a, um, we, we offered a Christmas present uh, to the Wilbanks. Most of you probably familiar with Kobe and Sam Wilbanks. They, they had one child that they had on their own named Cooper. And Cooper's about uh, three years old, I think. And, and um, about six months ago, they adopted four other children. Yeah, that's what I said. You've lost your mind. And then Laura lost her mind because she told the Wilbanks as a Christmas present that we'll take a Friday night and we'll let them stay over at our house 
and babysit while y'all have fun. And so Valentine's night with Laura was me and Laura and about a million Wilbanks kids at the house <laughs> running around, and it was amazing. Um, when we got up uh, that next morning, Saturday morning, and, and uh, we've started fixing waffles. That's kind of our go-to breakfast for company uh, because Laura knows that I can help, and uh, I'm a... I'm a master waffle maker. So uh, we, we were fixing the waffles and, and everybody was eating and we were doing all the things that you're not supposed to, you know, it's, it's so much fun to babysit now. I, I, I can tell why it's going to be fun to be a grandparent because, you know, at, at about 10 o'clock at night, several of the children came up to me and they range in age from about 14 to Cooper's three. And uh, they came up to me and said, when do we have to go to bed? And I said, I don't care. I said, you're going home tomorrow, so you can stay up all night, and I could care less. Do whatever you want. And they were all going, seriously? And I was going, yeah, I really, I don't care. And so I don't have any idea how long they stayed up. Uh, but the next morning, they were up eating breakfast, and we were fixing the waffles, and, and we were doing all the stuff that you're not supposed to do again. You know, we were putting fruit on the waffles, which is okay, but lots of sugar. And then I put whipped cream on it, and we were making faces, and you know, it was great, you know, just having that great time with them. And um, then after that was over, you know, we began to clean up, and I was helping Laura wash dishes, which I wish I could tell you I do all the time, but I, I don't necessarily, but I was wanting to help this morning for sure, and I should help all the time. And as I was washing dishes, I, I thought about this verse in, in, in Matthew 23, 26, because uh, Jesus is, is, is describing to the Pharisees uh, cleanliness, and he said, would you take a cup and wash the outside of it and not worry about the inside of it? And of course the answer is no. You know, if you're going to wash something, you're going to wash it outside and inside. And that's what Jesus is telling the Pharisees and that's what the Scripture is telling you and me how important it is not only to remove the impurities in your life, but how important it is that you must recondition your interior, that you must be clean inside and outside. Again, it goes back to how you look. You can't be wearing a suit here this morning and be guaranteed that you're pure. Now, you and I might look at each other and go, wow, Bobby's wearing a tie this morning. That's amazing. He must be all pure. And I may be looking at you saying, man, you, you look like you just came out of the department store. You look great. You must be all pure. But you understand that if we say that and we make those kind of judgment calls, we're doing exactly what sinners do. We're doing exactly what the Pharisees did. We're looking at people and judging them on their out, outward appearance. And judging them on their outward appearance gets you nowhere. And gets me nowhere. Anybody been driving down the street and see the guy in front of Burritos that's dancing with a sign, $4.99? Have you been wondering what's going on with him? You know, I mean, if you looked at his outward appearance, you would say, Woo, what's going on with that guy? I would too. I mean, I'll be real honest with you. I would look at him and go, What's going on with that guy? You know, that guy was in our second service last Sunday that guy came and 
sat with me at a table as we ate chicken spaghetti last Sunday. Do you know that guy loves the Lord? Do you know that guy when he's dancing in front of burritos just trying to make a dollar so he can make it till tomorrow? He's listening to Christian music. I would have never guessed that. My carnal nature would have told me that's not the kind of person he is and he's probably done something or been somewhere to deserve what he's gotten. But that's what a carnal nature does. And if you want to change your inside, it will help you look at people differently than you've ever looked at him before. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, If anyone is in Christ, he's a new creature. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. That's what has to happen in your life. You have to have all the impurities removed, but then you have to prepare yourself to be a clean vessel. You have to have the interior reconditioned so that you can be about the Father's business. Now, the most exciting thing that I can share with you this morning is if you remove all the impurities and you recondition the interior, then you are prepared to recognize the invisible. Look back at the Scripture again. God blesses those whose hearts are pure, for they will see God. That's Matthew 5.8. And the, the better understanding of this is that if it, if it was to say, God blesses those whose hearts are pure, for they shall see God for themselves. Or they will begin to see God. If you, um, if you want to read it in a very incredible understanding, I, I suggest that you go uh, grab the message or look on your phone or on your, on your computer at the paraphrase, the message, because it, it, it will say something to the effect of when you have a pure heart, you will begin to see God. That's, that's the syntax that's actually uh, there in the Scripture for us. That when your heart becomes pure, then you're going to begin to see God. That's pretty amazing. That's, that's way amazing. That's incredible amazing. In, in Exodus 33, 11, it says that Moses spoke face to face with the Lord as somebody who speaks to a friend. When's the last time that you recognize the invisible? When's the last time your heart was so pure that your insides were so reconditioned that your heart was so clean that you actually saw God? And you saw him as a friend, would see a friend, that you recognized him and you said, man, there is God. Have those times ever happened to you? Oh, I pray that they have. If they haven't, you've been missing out on what it means to be a believer in Jesus Christ. You should have God moments all the time. I think it was just this past year when we, when we had um, the VBS in um, part of their understanding of Vacation Bible School was that they would have God moments when they saw God and they had them write them down and they had to build a, a big wall over here of God moments when, when they saw uh, God doing things in their life. 
And they don't have to be huge moments in your life. They, they can be just special moments when a child says something to you or special moments when a friend says just the right thing to you or a special moment when you see somebody in need and you do something to meet that need and you realize that you've participated in the God moment and you've seen the invisible God and you've talked to him and you've understood him and you've heard him like a friend speaks to a friend. That has to be part of who you are. That has to be part of your makeup. That has to be part of your DNA is that you want to be so pure in heart that you will be able to see God and talk to Him as a friend talks to a friend. Now I told you, I think, maybe even the last time that I shared with you about how Evan came to meet his fiance. It's definitely a God moment. It was definitely a time where God was visible and where God spoke face to face. It wasn't me, it was Laura. We were driving up the road over here right next to the church when some girls in the college ministry who were fairly new were having some car trouble. And Laura said, stop, we need to stop. And I said, well, lunch, I need lunch. And she said, no, we need to stop and we need to help. And so we stopped and we helped. And we met three girls who had come to church for the first time that Sunday. We helped them get their car started. They went on their way and we said, we'll see you next Sunday. And they came back next Sunday and they brought Kristen with them. They said, we found a church that we like a lot. And Kristen said, well, I've been looking for a church. I want to go to church. And they said, come with us next Sunday. And they came. And when Kristen walked in the door, Evan said, who is that? I want to meet her. And he went up and met her. And over the Christmas holidays, he asked her to marry him. And in July, they'll be married. My wife, who has a pure heart, heard God speak to her that morning. And because of that, we have seen the invisible God as a friend sees a friend, we have seen him work in Evan's life, in Kristen's life, in our lives. And we're getting ready to add somebody to our family that we couldn't be happier about having. Those are God moments. When you walk out, like we did the other day, when I, I told you I was babysitting the Wilbanks kids and their oldest daughter, Aubrey, was going to a middle school dance. I had the chance to drive her to the middle school dance. And as we were leaving our house and I was taking her over to the middle school, I looked up and I saw the moon. Did you see the moon Friday night? It's amazing. And I said, Aubrey, do you see that moon? And she said, it's gorgeous. And I said, it is. It's a God gorgeous. And she just looked at me and she smiled. She knew exactly what I was saying. That's what happens when you see the Grand Canyon for the first time. Who can look at the Grand Canyon and be an atheist? Who can look at the solar system that we see and be an atheist? But who can look at that as a believer 
and not see a friend face to face. That's the kind of person that you worship. That's the kind of God that we celebrate. That's the kind of God that has invaded your life through His Son, Jesus Christ. And that's the kind of God that will allow you to be pure in heart so that you can see Him. Well, it's, it's been 10 years now since I bought my truck. I have a, a red truck that I love very much. When I got ready to buy that red truck, I had gone to the dealership and was preparing to buy it. And uh, Laura had begun to talk to me and I'd begun to think about what color truck I wanted to buy. And I based part of my decision on buying that red truck on, on several things. But w one of them was almost every staff member has a truck down here and none of them had a red truck. So I wanted to be the guy with the red truck. There's another thing that I thought too, you know, I thought I haven't seen that many red trucks around town, so I'll be one of the only people with a red truck. That'd be pretty cool too. And so I, I went and made the decision, purchased the truck, got in that truck and drove off. And I pulled in here in the parking lot and I began to celebrate the fact that God had blessed me with a new red truck. It was a cool looking red truck. You know, the more I drove that red truck around, the more I realized that everybody in this town has a red truck. <laughs> I had people start waving at me, and I was waving back at them. I was going, I don't know who you are. Why are you waving at me? And they thought, well, there goes my friend in the red truck. I don't know. It's another guy in the red truck. I've seen so many red trucks in my life now that I'm sick and tired of red trucks. And I think that's kind of what dealers have in mind. They think, you know, they'll get you in that truck and then all of a sudden you'll go, oh, I don't want that truck anymore. I don't need another truck. And if you fall into that trap, you'll be buying lots of trucks. Well, the truth is that I didn't begin to notice how many red trucks there were until I bought one. Once I bought one and once I started to fall in love with my red truck, then I began to notice how many other red trucks there are. The same is true of your Savior. Once you see Him, once you notice Him, once you fall in love with Him, once you allow Him to invade your life, then you'll begin to see Him everywhere. He'll begin to permeate everything you do. And you'll have God sightings everywhere you go. Because it's not about you anymore. But it's about Him. Let's pray. Father God, we are so thankful that You allow us to be followers of You. Father, we are thankful that You are the one, the true God, that can make us pure in heart. And Father, we do pray this morning that not only would You remove the impurities in our life, but Father, that you would make us a proper vessel for you. And then, Father, we do pray that you would open our eyes for the chance to see the invisible, to see you in each and everything that we participate in. Father, as we move into this time 
of just meditation and decision and, and, and thought, we ask that you would turn our hearts toward you. And that's our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen.